Howdy everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Secret Origins of Nick Edition. As you can tell by the opening, this is the part two to the What is a Western episode. I am once again joined by the Yellowbelly Outlaw Chris, and Sheriff Joe is going to continue leading us through this Western episode. If you remember from last time, we had wrapped up describing the basics of what is a Western, the tropes, and we were starting to talk about movies. So we're going to drop right back to where we left off last time. So, Chris, I am very interested in, in what you said off air and what you just said just recently about uh, Unforgiven. I, I see Unforgiven as, um, I'm going to get this later on in Clint Eastwood's accomplishments, which are more than just Westerns, by the way. Um, the man's an incredibly accomplished uh, director, actor, and, and writer. Oh, sure, sure, absolutely. And, and, uh, but I think his greatest film was Unforgiven. Actually, um, on my top 10 list, I have another film that's actually higher, but so they kind of like play off each other, but they're both mm -hmm. similar characters. So Chris, tell me about what you thought about Unforgiven and any problems that you have with it or anything you liked about it. Yeah, so um, first I'm going to say this. Uh, the, the cast is great. Um, and I will say that for me, the most, probably the most compelling scene is Gene Hackman in the mm -hmm. prison when he's talking to... Um, Mm -hmm. he's just he's just beat the hell out of uh is it english bob is that english right bob yes uh yeah, richard harris english bob and is talking to um and unfortunately i'm gonna forget the the actor's name so i'm just gonna look it up really fast um but yeah, it's the, the, the right actor now. who plays the writer uh saul rubinek who saul i love rubinek from warehouse love, 13 i love him great actor um he's great terrific actor. he's outstanding so uh i was very pleasantly surprised to see him in this um but watching watching gene hackman as little bill talk it out with with um bochamp um mm -hmm. was i thought the most compelling scene in the movie it was it was really really good and again the acting was the acting was great the other thing that i will say that i really really liked about the movie was that and 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 they were so in my mind they were so close um i liked that they introduced morgan freeman as ned logan mm -hmm. and there was never any mention of his race Ever. Right, exactly. And, and right? here, I know that we're, I, I know that that's not historically accurate, but, and, and sorry if any little ones are listening, uh, fuck it. Like, you know, put, populate the town with more black people. If you're, if you're just going to say, you know what, we know that this is, the, that the Western is a fantasy. We know that this is not reality. We know it doesn't reflect reality. Um, so lean into it. You know, I, I wanted to see more than just white people in town because uh, I, I think that just would have made the movie stronger. I think Morgan as Ned was was great. And then, um, you know, it, it because the rest of the town was white, it, there are racial overtones when you have little Bill whipping Ned for information. Mm -hmm. He never once utters a slur. And like in the context of the movie, I understand why it happens. But I think that if you put some more people of color in the town and just go, yeah, just hire good actors and don't worry about the color of their skin because the Western is already a fantasy, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, then I think you do it. I think you commit to it. Right. Um, but otherwise, I liked the fact that like this, this didn't become a story of like, ooh, look at, you know, William Money. We know that like, even though he's not a good guy, he kind of is a good guy because, you know, he's not racist like the rest of the people in this town against black people. And it's like. Oh, you were so close to just, all you needed was more back were more background characters. And I like that that was not a dimension of the story because I think we see that a bunch in Westerns. Yes. Um, without a doubt. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad we didn't see that. Um, I think the big, 
and I, I think it's well acted. I think it's really well directed. Um, you know, I, the problem I ultimately had was the writing. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The problem I had was the writing and it was, there were two things. One is the fact that, um, you know, it's just one more instance of, okay, let's, let's make sure that bad things are done to women so that men can come in and save them. And I, I appreciated that when, um, you know, the younger, and there are spoilers here, so I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Right, although right. Unforgiven was 92? 92, yeah. 92, okay. So, I mean, if you haven't seen it by now, like, no, you know. Yeah, the, the, the moratorium is off on the Get to it. <laughs> yes. You know, I think it's worth watching. Um, but contextually, like, I had some issues. So the first is that, um, and here, when I was younger, especially as a fan of comic books, especially as a fan of, like, those hero stories, um, you know, I absolutely wrote those little stories myself where, you know, the, the da- you have the damsel in distress. And so I came in as the, the male protagonist hero and I saved them. And that was, but I never wrote them as characters. They were always written in so that they could be saved. That was, li- that was their entire purpose in the story. And that's exactly what these women are in this story. Every single one of them is there specifically, you know, to serve, to serve the men as whores in the story, but but also to serve not as characters, but at, they they are there to be saved, and so I I think that's problematic. While it is reflective of attitudes of the time and everything, um, you know I can't help that it, just like they can't help that the movie was made in '92. I can't help that I'm watching it in 2022. You know, 20 years later, right? Um, or no, oh oh my god, no, nope, thirty years later. Nope, thirty years later. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Well, that feels great. <laughs> Makes you feel old, doesn't it? Think how I feel, Chris. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I, I was only off by ten years. It's fine. Yeah, only um, a decade. Also, just like the movie can't help when it was made. I can't help when I'm viewing it and and the lens through which I view right. it. So um, so I just That's I fair criticism. Yeah. Fair. So so I just don't generally I don't enjoy stories through which um you know through which the the person uh, you have people treated as as props and as objects um that said here's another thing that i thought was really really interesting and then i felt like they just missed the mark at the end to me what was really interesting was the the ridicule that was visited upon beauchamp for for his writing and his romantic his romanticizing of Mm -hmm. the gunslinger and he starts by doing it with english bob only to later learn, oh, English Bob is a fraud. Oh, I'm going to write about Little Bill, which is Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, by the way, watching Richard Harris's English Bob was delightful. Again, the casting. Um, but then he's writing about Little Bill as like the real deal, right? And he's romanticizing. And then by the time he, he meets William Money, and Money has gunned down everybody in the pub who was drawn on him. Right. Um, you know, at that point, and in fact, actually, he he shot at somebody who had not drawn on him, which was the, the skinny something or other. Yes. Yeah. Skinny. I think they just call him skinny, but he's the guy who owns the, 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 the bar and, and, um, and whatnot. Um, the the bar and the brothel, right? Right. Right. Um, you know, then you have, uh, the situation where Beauchamp says, you know, so who did you, cause real gunslingers, little bill told me the real gunslingers, uh, shoot the biggest threat first. So like he's trying to go through the order. And at that point, William Money says to him, I can tell you who's going to die last. <laughs> and it's and it's a great line. It is. It's a great line. And But the problem I had was that I liked there seemed to be this sort of meta awareness, right, of this is not glory. 
And, you know, money, has, it took him for, it took him a long time, but he stopped drinking. He's ashamed of what he's done in the past. Right. Ned cannot, cannot kill this boy. He shot him, you know, he shot the horse, the horse fell on him. And, and once Ned saw that, Ned could not fire a shot and kill him. Mm-hmm. And then you had, um, the, the, uh, the boy that, that goes with them and shoots, uh, man their names uh yeah i i should have wrote them down too chris I... no no and, yeah it's on me um but anyway the the boy that they travel with they're, they're gonna split three ways the, the one who approaches yeah, money the one who thinks he's a gunslinger right yeah. yeah um you know he he shoots the guy it's his first kill mm-hmm. and he's never gonna do it again never gonna do it again, never right. do it again. so yeah. i thought that was that was all good and i thought it was like there's this meta awareness of of the price that um that killing extracts and then at the very end of the movie, and yes, I know he's grief-stricken over his friend, but there goes Clint Eastwood walking right into every trope of the Western we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. He embraces the bottle. He goes back to drinking after, I think, 10 years of not having had a, a drop. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he goes and he kills, uh, evidently without remorse. He reverts to the animal that we we find out that he, that he always was. Um, he kills those people. There are, as far as we can tell, no consequences. He takes the money. He goes back to his children, and mm-hmm. then they leave the area. And he's prosperous and dry goods, is what we're told at the end of the story. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I crime pays in this film, <laughs> right? Basically, well, yeah. and it's and it's not just the crime pays because ultimately the a lot of the men that that the two men who get shot deserve it in my in my mm-hmm. opinion. Oh, yeah. They set it up in the movie to be to be true as well. Um, you know, and then he and then he does the people he kills are people who draw on him, um, but he doesn't get shot and die. Uh, he embraces the monster, and it, frankly, it pays out for him and for his children as well as for Ned's wife. Mm-hmm. And I just, it just brought the whole thing down for me. Um, I the meta awareness that I thought was there, everything I thought that they were sort of mocking by mocking Beauchamp, um, mm-hmm. they embrace by having Clint Eastwood just single-handedly kill five men without taking a single bullet. Hmm. Um, and it just embraces that, that trope of, and then he says, you know, if, if, uh, if any of you touch any of the whores here again, not women, whores, mm-hmm. you touch them again, I'll come back and I will kill not only you, I will kill your wife, I will kill your children. And that's pretty rough. And, I mean, and then, it's stark. And it's really then he stark leaves. So like, so it just, it embraces all of the things that I thought that they were, they were mocking in the film. And so maybe there's an element here that I'm just not getting or a level that I just don't understand, but it was, it embraced everything that I, I think I don't like about Westerns, especially as I get older. And, um, and it, it turned him into the gunslinging hero that, uh, that boy had always admired. And so mm-hmm. what we walk away from it with is like, yeah, everybody around him paid, but ultimately he was the really cool gunslinger who could single-handedly take down five guys. One of which is a notoriously good shot mm-hmm. in, um, in little bill. And so the ending for me was supremely unsatisfying and, um, and made me think, okay, well then maybe that, that meta awareness that I was, that I was thinking they were, they were putting out there wasn't there in the first place. I was just seeing a thing that I thought was cool. And, uh, it turns out they weren't going in that direction at all. So, so kind of long winded, but I think that was ultimately why I came down on the side of, I'm glad I, I appreciate you suggesting I watch it. I am glad I watched it. Um, but I, I don't like it. 
Okay, it's fair. I mean, it's a very fair, fantastic review, Chris. Uh, I would not call him a hero. He's, a, he's if anything, he's an anti-hero. Which oh, sure, is what, sure. Which was what Clint Eastwood plays. And if you want to see him at his worst, then you have to see High Plains Drifter, where he completely raises an entire town. And there's that. Well, and I think, you know, again, it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, when you when you look at a play such as Macbeth, mm-hmm. right, um, you know, he he watching his descent into into evil to a point where he basically just throws it all away and decides that he's going to embrace this. Um, that's the journey. And then he does. He pays for it at the end and he does. He kills people up until the point where Macduff comes and, and slays him as per the prophecy. Um, you know, no man born of woman. And he was, mm-hmm. Macduff was from his mother's womb untimely ripped. Um, but we don't, we don't get that moment with will money. And no, that's, don't. that's part of the, the problem I run into is that when you're talking about whether or not we're talking about bad guys um, or anti-heroes, I, I don't necessarily always need them to, to get what's coming to them. Um, but it just felt like I was being set up for one thing, it, and, and, and then change. it took a more predictable direction. It's fair, okay. Yeah, it's it's. I saw this past weekend. I saw the uh, the latest trailer for uh, the movie, the Batman. Oh, okay. And as I'm watching him walk down this hallway, and people are shooting him with automatic weapons, and these bullets are bouncing off of his armor, it's like that's not how armor works. No, that's not, that's not how body armor works. Uh, so. Okay, you're making it more gritty and quote realistic, except you're not. You're not doing that thing where you say you're making it more realistic because there's no way Batman stands up with body armor that lets him move to automatic weapons fire and he doesn't go he doesn't go down. Um, you know, so it's just it's just more of the okay, well, we're gonna give the guy a gun, and because he's our hero or anti-hero, um, you know, he can't he's just a demon who can't be gunned down and he's gonna be cool while he's doing it. Hmm. Um you know, it's not even like he he forewent the drink and did all these things. And then, you know, for a moment there, I actually thought he was going to let little Bill shoot him. Yeah, right. You I almost I thought he was going to hear the gun cock and he was just mm-hmm. going to take that last drink um, because he didn't want to let his wife down, you know, but he had because not even the killing, the fact that he was drinking. Um, and I thought he was just going to go. Yeah. You know what? Little Bill is already dead. He's gut shot. So I'm just going to go ahead and let him shoot me and, and just end it. Uh, and especially because his kids are already taken care of, right? Uh, that, that kid was bringing the money back to his home mm-hmm. to bring it to his kids and, and make sure they were taken care of. And uh, Ned's wife had already agreed to like check in on them. So she, right. uh, ostensibly she'd be looking in after them too. Um, so I thought for a moment we might get that, that nope, I have failed. And uh and that's just the way it goes. So I've, I've avenged Ned. I did the thing that I need to do. And then he doesn't even take Ned's body, right? He like he says, right, yeah. I trust you'll bury him the way he deserves to be buried. Well, yeah. what the hell, man? It's Isn't pretty he right? see Ned's body in, the, in an open coffin. Oh, it's it's a brutal. And it's, again, it's beautifully shot. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I it's, it's sometimes it's little, what I think of as little things, but I think are actually big things, are the fact that, like, you know, they don't talk about Ned's body being desecrated. We don't see Ned's body being desecrated because I think there's enough there's enough black trauma out there that we don't need to see that, um, you know. And it shouldn't be for for show. And and I I think there's a line to be walked, but I don't feel I feel as though Ned is his own character, so he's not just a it's he's not just a black person to be killed to justify Clint Eastwood going off. So I appreciate that. Um, 
but but yeah, I think I just I just all sorts of directions they could have gone with the ending and and didn't. I just found myself very disappointed. Okay, all right, very good criticism, Chris. Very very well done. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome, James um, Silverado. What'd you think of it? Um, I enjoyed the movie Silverado. I think it it had a very. I mean, it was a great cast. Also, I mean, yes, it had a, fantastic cast. You know, Kevin Kevin Klein. Um, Scott Glenn, who I can't remember where else I've seen Scott Glenn. That's why I was like, I know this guy, but I, I don't remember. Right stuff. Scott him. Glenn was in the right stuff. Oh, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kevin, a young Kevin Costner, Danny yeah. Glover. Danny Brian, Glover, right? Yeah. Yeah. Brian mm-hmm. Dennehy. Yeah. Um, I have a quote from Brian Dennehy. Yeah. He, he has one of my favorite quotes in uh, Western quotes. Yeah. And this movie is the complete opposite of, of, of Unforgiven, and it, but it's loaded with tropes. Is it not right? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's loaded with all the tropes are there. I mean, yeah. uh, it's, I mean, it's sort of like an assembly movie. It's, it's like a, it's an Avengers assembly movie. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, oh, wow, that's a great way of putting it. Yes, I, I like mean, that. you, I like you that. meet all of these characters. Like, I was trying to figure out in the beginning. It seemed to me like, are we just doing these little vignettes with different people here and there? And like, I guess we are because eventually all these vignettes pay off when they get into the town proper, um, and you get to see like how. Um, all I, like all their stories intertwined. You know, mm-hmm. like you're you're leaving Danny Glover's character for a while, but he comes back because of what happens with his sister. Uh, you meet, um, you know, you see Brian Dennehy's character in the original town, you, and you, he goes off, and you meet him again. And when they get to the uh, Silverado, we pick up uh, Kevin Klein's character Peyton just in the middle of the desert after being robbed, and you, and you don't know, I, and you still don't kind of know what what uh, Peyton's past is at all. Exactly. Like it, yeah. Like they they allude to it with what Brian Dennehy and his conversations. Um, it seems like I guess he was a outlaw kind of. Mm-hmm. Like he enjoyed like it appears like he did some questionable things, but not to the level of Brian Dennehy's character Cobb. Um, no, not at all. No. Uh, but yeah, then it goes goes into all the tropes. I mean, it's you have a uh, you know Peyton or Kevin Klein's character is running the local saloon. Brian Dennehy's character is the sheriff. Uh, mm-hmm. Danny Glover, um, which they, you know, unlike, you know, not like Unforgiven, they lean into the fact that he is black and mm-hmm. they are ra- they're prejudiced against him and his family. And they, they basically kill his, they kill his father and they run his, his dad, family. Right? Yeah. They kill his dad with his dad's gun. Uh, they t- mm-hmm. Or they kill his dad to take his dad's gun. Uh, and Jeff Goldblum shows up. Jeff Goldblum yeah, shows Jeff, up. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum shows <laughs> up. Right. Um, and I wasn't sure what character he was going to play because I've, I've never really seen movies where Jeff Goldblum is the villain, but he turns out to uh, be, in, be in league with the sheriff and he uh, gets yeah, he... Uh, Danny Glover's car- uh, you know, sister um, almost killed. That's um, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it was like, yeah, by the, by the end of the movie, though, once you have, uh, you know, Danny, Danny Glover's character needs to get revenge on them for his father and what they did to his sister – he, uh, Emmett's character needs to get his brother back and they need to get revenge for, I guess the house they burned down mm-hmm. was, uh, it was what, um, there's his sister, uh, he, uh, um, Scott Campbell and, um, Kevin Costner's, that's their sister they were visiting in the town. That's right. Yes. Okay. So they burn her house down because, uh, I mean, this is all over because Kevin Costner's character is the young, the young hotshot guy. And he's trying to make out with the girl that one of the deputies likes. And then, <laughs> and then, so it's all over a kiss. It was all this mayhem that happens because <laughs> they, they go and like burn down the house of their sister. They, they arrest Kevin Costner. They take his nephew. Uh, and then you got the Avengers assemble at the end where you got the, uh, you got Peyton, you got um, Emmett, you got um, 
is a Mal and you, you got um who else is there and uh, Ke- and Jake all all four of them were shooting up the rest of the town. But so, a lot of but a lot of steers thrown in for good measure, right? Yeah, they had a stampede. <laughs> There's always a st- yeah, you got to have a stampede. Yeah, um, and I, I was kind of thinking towards the end. I mean, it was it was very enjoyable, but again, one of those um, I guess miracle exemptions. There were a lot of deputies to like. There were a lot of cannon fodder deputies. I yes, mean, they killed, yeah. they're kind they of like killed, Star Trek red shirts. Yeah, they killed like twenty deputies. I think. <laughs> <laughs> this, this movie is a shoot 'em up. This movie is an ensemble piece, and it's. Uh, I think they wanted to. They think they they went. They leaned to it. Let's just go with the tropes. Let's just have a good time with it. And we're not we're not trying to make anything. Um, you know. Uh, uh, deep here. We're just trying to make a, a, a fun action uh, uh, film that's set in, in, in the uh, in the Wild West. So that's why I saw it. Yeah. No, it was great. And then the uh, I forgot. And even her uh, her character, Linda Hunt, was in the. Uh, she owns the saloon, and right. she, and her and Kevin Klein seem to have like a relationship going. And mm-hmm. and they used the, again the. I think I mean Linda Hunt. I think in this character, her character had more of a character story that she just wasn't the a woman put in there just to be the. Um, the thing that he, that, you know, Cobb could dangle over Peyton's head. I mean, right. she, she loved that saloon. That was her business. She loved doing it. And, um, and then Cobb uses, you know, Peyton's feelings for her to like keep him out of the final battle, which, which she's then insulted that she's being used that way and tells him to get in there and fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was a nice turn of the typical female um, uh, uh, character that we've been talking about so far in these stories. So right. yeah, I thought it was, and I thought it was a very satisfying ending. It ended like most Westerns where, the drifter into town becomes the sheriff at the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes the drifter gets gets uh, gunned down when they find out his past, and sometimes he becomes the sheriff or the marshal. Right. Exactly. I mean, I mean, it also has the miracle exemption where, like Emmett's character, the uh, gets he gets stomped on by a horse and kicked in the head by a horse. <laughs> one, one, he's alive. Justice. Yeah. Yes, right. One, he's alive. Um, two, Danny Glover's character nurses him back to health, and 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 um, and he's like he's like walking around with a concussion in this cave, and he's like half blinded and Danny Glover comes back and says, and Emma's character's like, where's my brother? He's like, they took him and your nephew. And then suddenly he takes off the bandage from his head and he can see clearly again. Yeah. He's like, he's strapping on his gun and he's like, he's like, that never happened. So no, no. Uh, I was, I was like, Oh, that's like a real superhero trope right there. Uh, frontier medicine. <laughs> yeah, frontier medicine. <laughs> a bandage will usually do it. You know, you get, yeah. I only got winged. I'll just put a bandage on it. That's all. I'll, right. I'll, be, I'll be fine in the morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a good, it was a good movie. Um, I thought, mm. It has all the tropes in it. it. Had a good, good cast. Amazingly acted, and it, it was, I think, I think, fun. It was a fun movie. Do you, do you guys want to talk about the other two movies, or do you want to move on? Uh, uh, where do you want to go? From, you know, from here. I mean, uh, you want to briefly talk about the other films, or, or what? Um, yeah, I mean, those are the two versions of True Grid. I did that just so we could juxtapose the uh, the, the two versions. I mean, we could talk briefly about it if you want. To. Sure. I mean, I mean, we're already talking. We're already talking about our homework. So yeah, I say let's. Let's go ahead and and, go ahead. and talk about True Grit a little bit. Okay, um, James, why don't you go first? Because you got the uh, you got the original yeah, version, yeah. right? Yeah. So go ahead. Um, again, I think um, I would say this movie. I mean, I had seen what Chris. I'd seen Chris's version of the movie when it first came out, so I was somewhat familiar with the story. But mm-hmm. again, to kind of turn things on its head with the the female role, the female uh, lead is the star of the movie. I mean, John yes, Wayne yeah. is obviously yeah. the star, but but Kim Kim Dar Kim Darby is uh, leading this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. she's. Uh, and she's a little, I mean, I, I, how old is she supposed to be in this movie? Well, Kim Darby in that film was 22, but she's supposed to be 14. 
Okay, so she's yeah. like yeah. leading the leading the charge. Um, she's basically tell get, she's basically running the show, and exactly. she's running it through her words or running it through her money and her uh, deeds, yeah. yeah, and her deeds, yeah. And uh, she so takes I that thought that was into, a great into that river, uh, right? Where they go across um, in the uh, in the ferry. You know, Cobb as uh, Rooster Cockburn, as played by yeah. uh, John Wayne in this version, is. Um, Betty is lately in the charge through her deeds and through her actions and through her money and uh, mm-hmm. and and Rooster Cogburn is just uh, I like how they portray him as the rough true grit. I mean, in, in this movie, she says it's grit. Uh, I think like ten times at mm-hmm. least to, to hammer the movie. I don't know if it happens in Chris's version too, but it's not it's not that <laughs> frequently, which I appreciate. But uh, yeah. but Haley Steinfeld who, Steinfeld who plays Maddie does does say it once but they sort of paper over it and it's okay it's not awful <laughs> uh yeah that's not it's not subtle in my version but not 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 enjoyable um i actually appreciate the movie mostly because the uh you have john wayne in it you got dennis hopper in it you right. have robert duvall in it yeah right you know robert duvall yes exactly and uh, but matt but you know maddie is the main character which they they keep with like they once with john wayne's on the scene they don't push kim darby's character aside they they she's she's in it through the whole thing all the way to the end of my version so um I really enjoyed it just because aside from the tropes, it's a different way to tell the story, especially having a, um, a young female character as the lead. I thought it was great. And something that I'll harken back to what I, I said before about um, uh, the landscape or the setting being character. There are some beautiful scenes in that film when they're, when they're just riding along, right? Some, some beautiful scenic shots, wide angle shots that just are actually absolutely breathtaking. And, um, and of course, Wayne did win his Academy Award for that, for that film. But you're so right. It's really Maddie's story, and um, it's one of my favorite films. It's you know, well, you'll see where it is on my list when we get to the top ten list. But and I feel like she holds equal footing, if not more footing, than Wayne in the movie. Like you know, she it's not like uh, she's overshadowed by Wayne's character or Wayne, John Wayne's you know persona as in real life. Like she's right. She she had she holds the space with him very well. And this movie uh, wasn't made in two thousand and nine or two thousand nineteen. It was made in nineteen sixty nine. So yeah, so it's uh it's groundbreaking. It's ahead of its time. Yes. Yeah. No, it was, it was great. Um, yeah, Chris, I'm I'm interested in, like your your take versus versus my your version versus my version because it's been a long time since I've seen the, the remake. Sure. Yeah. Um. So I I liked it. I didn't love it. Um. I I think that you know I had that similar experience of it being. Being Maddie's story, I I don't like the entire cast of it. Um, you know, I'm uh, Josh Brolin is fine, but I, honestly, mm-hmm. I think anybody could have played that part. And I felt that way about a bunch of the parts that were played. That said, Jeff Bridges as as Rooster Cogburn is I just think outstanding. Yeah, he's um, even more gruff and surly than 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 uh, than John Wayne. Yes. Yeah, and it. And, I mean, so. you know, it doesn't it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel nope. pushed. Um, uh, so I I really really like it. I like Haley Steinfeld as as Maddie. I think she's I, I I think she was nominated but didn't win, or maybe she did win. And Chris, she was closest to the age of the actual character than Kim Darby was. Yeah, I mean she's just she is she's I, marvelous. She's yeah, extremely talented actor. And for anybody who doesn't who doesn't recognize that name or goes, I think I know that name, but I'm not sure why. That's because she's she was most recently seen in Hawkeye. Oh, okay. More reason to watch Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good. And, and while I don't love the character or anything in Hawkeye, she does really, really good work. Okay. Um, so I thought that, like, she... So the the main trio, Jeff Bridges, Haley Steinfeld, and I haven't mentioned him yet, but Matt Damon, Matt Damon playing uh, Lippie, mm-hmm. Um he's he's really, really good. He mm-hmm. just is. He's, he's a strong actor. It's funny because um, 
when I was younger, it was so easy to sort of like make fun of him for for the work he did in movies. He always did like fine work, but um, did he quite? But but did he really have like chops? But I think he does. I think mm-hmm. he does a really really nice job as Labeef. Um, so overall, I I like it. I don't love it, but I but I can't tell you that there's anything I I really dislike about it. It just doesn't it just doesn't speak to me. Um, so but overall, I think it's it's a well made movie. Um, I, I, I can't tell you having not seen the original, I can't tell you why they would think they need to remake it. Um, but for all of that, I think, you know, again, I think they did, they did a nice job with it. Um, it is still Maddie's story, which I appreciate. Um, I like seeing how clever she is. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's really fun. There's a, there's, and there's a playful aspect to it too, that she brings to the table. And, and I appreciate that as well. Um, I will say that, that, one of the problems I think I've run into with watching Westerns is, and I understand that this is supposed to be a callback at the time, um, but it's the, the cruelty we see to animals. And um, man, I got to tell you that, that, uh, there was, that I had forgotten about this because I had seen True Grit quite some time ago. I think when it first came out in, was it 20? 2010. 2010, okay. Um, so I saw it when it first came out. And I, I can't tell you how that happened, but it, but it did. Um, but I had forgotten that at the very end, again, spoilers, um, you know, uh, Cogburn is trying to save Maddie from a snake bite and, uh, he just rides little, the horse, little blackie into the ground and mm-hmm. she's trying to make him stop. And he's decided that he's going to save her life come hell or high water. And, um, he likes it, like, you know, hitting the horse isn't working anymore. So he stabs the horse in the flank and mm-hmm. oh, it just, it just, I know it's fake, but it just animal cruelty to animals. Yeah. It just, it just really upsets me. So, um, outside of that, um, Again, you know, I, I, yeah, overall, I, I, I like the movie. I just didn't love it, but I can't necessarily give you specifics as to why it doesn't necessarily, uh, why it doesn't necessarily speak to me. But I did think that the characters were three dimensional, which was nice. I didn't feel like Maddie is, is a prop of any sort. So I think no, that's, that's something that carries through too, is that it is, it is her story. Um, and, and it's, it's interesting watching the whole thing unfold. Right. So I, I will say that, um, that I enjoyed watching the story unfold. Uh, Labeef um, survives in the book. I read the book by Portis. So he, but he dies in, in, in the film. Um, uh, and also the, the first one, he survives the, he survives the first one. one. Yes. He saw, yeah. The yeah, second one was close to the He film, survives right? in the remake, although I don't but, think, I don't think she ever actually sees him again. No. And, uh, and um, the, um, the riding of, uh, uh, of the horse is not as, um, Horrific in the first movie because James remember when the horse goes down he, he commandeers a uh, uh, he steals a carriage from three guys and uh, to get uh, Maddie to town so uh, they 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 really milk it in, in the in the remake the Coen brothers really milk it in the remake and I thought that might have been a little bit overdone too um, that it was also unbelievable kind of unbelievable and uh, that's done at night that scene is done at night when he's trying to race her to uh, to town where in the uh, original it's done during the daytime uh, and they're both characters. Oh. Driven film. Sorry, I'm sorry, Joe. Uh, I have something to add, but but go ahead and finish what you're saying first. I just, just saying, you said something that triggered my, my memory. They're both character-driven films, and that's what I like about it. Uh, about a western, you don't—they don't have to be just you know the typical shoot 'em up. They can be these these laid these films with laid characters, and and uh, not everything has to be you know gunplay and uh, horse chase and whatnot. You can you can get these uh, these wonderful uh, uh, as I said, character-driven films that, that really draw you in. Like Chris. 
Yeah. No, no, I no. Thank you, Joe, for, for sharing that. Um, you know, you just, you, you reminded me, uh, that, and I, I can't even tell you exactly what it is you said that just made me go, Oh, which again, I apologize for cutting you yeah. off. I didn't mean to do that. It wasn't, a, yeah. um, I, despite the fact that I think anybody could have played Tom Chaney, I don't think it, it, it needed to be, um, I don't think it needed to be Josh Brolin. He was fine, but didn't, it wasn't anything special, which is also fine. It's, it's a relatively small part, even though he's basically the crux of the, the happenings of the movie. He's, he's the reason Labeef comes out in the first place. He's the reason that, that Maddie, you know, is, is hunting him down and, and ends up with Rooster Cogburn. Um, but anyway, th- what I wanted to say was he spends a lot of his time feeling sorry for himself. Cheney talks about how unlucky he is. And yeah. How these- coming down and how these things have been brought down on his head and he doesn't better. Mm -hmm. And I will say this, I will say that the way that he commiserates over this and mopes and, and mopes (laughs) because he is like, he, he ends up being like vicious, but, um, but he is such, he is such a weak, cowardly, you know, kind of yellow belly. He is such a weak, man who hits people when their backs are turned mm-hmm. and and preys on this little girl he, he's going to try and strangle her to death to silence her um you know honestly like that really for me i thought that was really well done because that really resonated with the type of with the type of male that we see doing these kinds of things and i thought it was a very accurate portrayal yes um yes. that you've got a guy who who is in that abusive mindset of why me? It's not fair. And then he goes, and I think the line is, I don't, I, I don't need an affidavit. I just need you silenced. Mm-hmm. And before he, he decides he's just going to strangle her to death. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he hits Labeef, uh, in the head with a rock from, the rock, yeah. um, yeah. you know, so it's, it's stuff like that, that I'm going, you know what? I don't, I don't know if they entirely meant to do it. And maybe they did, which by the way, uh, uh, Joel and Ethan, uh, Cone, right? Yes, the Cohen. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, was it? I think it's Ethan Cohen who just directed Macbeth. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, a film version of of Macbeth. Let me uh, really quickly look at. It's called the Tragedy of Macbeth, and um, and it was it was directed by where are you, Joel? It was directed by Joel Cohen, and uh, this is the first time that he's gone off on his own and not directed with with his brother Ethan. And mm. if you haven't seen it yet, there's a delightful little like open criticism out there that is ostensibly written by his brother talking about how terrible this movie is compared to every other movie that he that he directed with somebody else and and who knows maybe he just got help from on high that those other movies all 18 of them were terrific but this is just the worst and i don't know, <laughs> I don't know if he actually i don't know if his brother actually wrote it or not uh, but it's hysterical but anyway all that to say i don't know if they meant to like paint the portrait of a a pretty classic sort of beta male abuser but man, did they do a good job of it with with Tom Chaney? So uh, that was yeah. that was a thing that I, I did appreciate. In the vernacular of the era, he was a dastardly bastard. Yeah, <laughs> they would say. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean he is. Yes, yeah. a dark germ bastard. They would say, yeah, yeah, he really he really was. He's a he was a villain you love to hate. And um, yeah. uh, the character actor who played him in the movie you watched, uh, James, uh, the original, that's Jeff Corey, who was a character actor in Hollywood for decades and decades. Um, if you remember the, uh, the episode, the cloud minders in Star Trek, he's the, yes, guy I knew he looked familiar. Jeff Corey. He looked familiar. If you've ever yep. seen Superman and the mole men, he's the, he's the, uh, 
the uh, the town the town rabble riser, the town you know the guy that's uh, totally intolerant and you know trying to gun down the little uh, little uh, mole men because they look different. So he, he plays those roles very well, and um, I think it was even in the movie them with the giant ants. But uh, Jeff Corey had been around for ages, and, and um, I always love him in in, 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 uh, in these character roles. So yes, yeah. though I definitely recognize his face. I'm like this guy has I've seen this guy's face a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. So he must he must be just like oh. you know. He was in. It must have been as a character actor. He must have been in hundreds of films. Jeff Corey. Yeah. Yeah. No. He was. He was. He was very good and, and similar. And I, I mean, I think his his portrayal is different than Brolin's, but I think he also gives that sort of whimpering coward. Um, yeah. Any, type any, of, type yeah, of vibe. He, he gut shots uh, Maddie's father right there at the beginning of the film. Yes, he does. Yep. Yeah. And my, you know what my favorite scene in the film though is? It's nothing to do with action. Nothing to do with uh, horse riding. Nothing. Maddie bartering to get the money back for the horses. Yeah. Yes, I that love that scene, especially in the in the remake. It's just she's just so clever, so determined. You just right then and there you fall in love with her, and you know that there's no way she's not going to get what she wants. And so uh, that's what really made that fil- both films for me. Love those two movies. Uh, yes. So should we transition into our uh, our lists like we sure. did like, with the mobster movie? Uh, do you do you want to do? Um, do you want to do lists first, or do you want to do top ten, or how, how, where do you want to go from here? Um, I think we should do lists, no? Yeah, we should do lists. Okay, let's do lists. Yeah, yeah. So, I, uh, you know, record, this will this will both, mostly be you, gentlemen, because I really only have one. Okay, that's one all right. Western that I would that I would put on here that doesn't even really necessarily fit the genre, but but it's the one that I have because it's just not a genre that I ever ever followed that much. So we might need an, a, a second episode just for my honorable mentions. <laughs> There's so many. I'm looking at it right now. I must be an idiot. How could I have written this many? Well, I love all these films. So, but I wrote them all down. Oh my god. Well, I, I guess. Uh, I mean, Joe. I we should. I pro- I think the format we did for the the mob movies and the gangster movies was probably good. We saved you for the end. Uh, okay. Yeah. Your movies, cool. Maybe maybe we'll start with your top ten. I Chris, be brief. Yeah, um, uh, Chris. What, well, I guess since you you feel like you have the least amount on the list you want to do you want to start what you what you have for your westerns sure yeah um i'm you know again i are we just gonna james are we just each of us giving our lists in totality or are you and i gonna go back and forth before we hold it uh hand it over to joe um i i feel like i mean i think the four i think what we did with the gang with the gangster episode was we just gave our list and talked about yeah. them i think okay. as, a, as a total or individually yeah. after we've given our list yeah. all right so I, so I think we that works as a good format um yeah, so I'll say, uh, you know, there's a lot that I think there's some of it that hasn't aged that well at all, um, but but there's still parts of Blazing Saddles that that I think are hilarious, <laughs> um, that that still really really tickle me. Um, Back to the Future Three is just, you know, I mean, it's set in the genre. Whether or not it's actually the genre, I don't I I don't know. I mean, Joe, do you think it's actually the genre, or do you think it's a different genre that like? No, it's it's a western. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, you, uh, by the way, Chris, you've already poached two of my movies. The high profile that um, yes. that that you know, and also I don't, I don't know that I ever watched Back to the Future three. If there isn't Back to the Future's one and two, like you could tell me it's funny, you could tell me it's good. It's it's sort of the same thing with um you know with Blazing Saddles. I don't know that I ever watched Blazing Saddles if I don't already love Spaceballs and Young Frankenstein. Um. It's just it's just not a thing that I that I necessarily pursue, um, and then I guess my third and sort of final entry on the list 
um, is one that I actually, it, it took a while to grow on me. And again, I don't know if it's the genre or what, but the more I've seen it and I've, and I've now seen it a bunch, thanks to my son, hmm. because he was really loving it for a while. Um, but it's the good dinosaur. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's yeah cool. the, good, the good dinosaur is, is Pixar and, um, and it took a while to grow on me, but it is, it is absolutely like the, it is a Western, which the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that's what this is. Um, and the first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, eh, you know, it was fine. But the more times that I, I saw it and honestly didn't really want to watch it, but, but did, um, the more I saw it, the more it really grew on me and, and had these moments, um, the, and it did, I think, fit a lot of those tropes you had. Um, characters who come together but then don't stay together they don't stay together at once once the job is done uh they leave they they leave each other and it might be tough but it's the right call for them because they don't actually they shouldn't they shouldn't stay be staying together um the the environment is a character and um and also dictates a lot of what they do um you know and uh yeah, I think I think it was just it was not a thing that I expected, um, but it really just it just clicked for me in that way. And also, I mean, you know, it it also had a strong cast, but uh, Sam Elliott is in it, mm-hmm. and um, and so very, you know, that it, it really comes across as as to me um, a western, and it's one that I have uh, over time come to thoroughly enjoy but it really did take when i say a bunch of watches i don't mean i saw it two or three times i mean i've seen this movie in the double digits um but you have the the young boy arlo learning under his his papa jeffrey wright who's fantastic um and they're it's it yeah yeah i guess the good dinosaur would be my uh my my favorite western <laughs> unexpected pick chris i've never heard of it. i'm gonna watch it now yeah, you know, it, didn't cool. get, it didn't get press at all. And it's so disappointing, too, because Peter, Peter Sohn or Peter Son, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, S O H N. He's worked on a bunch of Pixar movies, but this was the this was the first one he directed. Um, and it was so disappointing that they didn't throw it more support. I think they they may not have known what to do with it um, because it 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 doesn't necessarily it's sort of. Again, I, they don't advertise it as a Western. You know, they could have advertised it the way they sort of did with Rango, but they but they didn't. Um, but it didn't get the it didn't really get the Disney slash Pixar treatment, and it's a it's a real damn shame because I think that once I started to sort of figure out what it was that uh, the director was trying to do with this movie, that I really appreciated it. Um, it did. It took me a number of tries to really sort of appreciate what he was doing. And I think he was just functioning on a much deeper level as a director than I was sort of expecting. Um, but yeah, check it out. The good dinosaur, Peter son, who also plays the, uh, check it out. the pet collector in the movie and is very, very funny. Um, so I, I, I think it's, I think it's worth a watch. He's also, um, he's been an animator. Let's see, an animator, director a voice actor and a storyboard artist over at Pixar. Um, he's, he's just really, man, he's really good. I think. So cool. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Sounds good, Chris. I, I like the good dinosaur also. So um that was a very interesting pick. So I, I like your list. Thank you. Yeah, that that when I thought of that one, it was it felt a little bit like the uh the gangster pick of uh of when I said uh Mask of the Phantasm. We're both like, 
Uh, yeah, no, I guess it yeah. is. Uh, Still I my favorite pick of any list yet. Yeah, I yeah. sort of felt that way about Good Dinosaur. Of like, no, nah, I hadn't really thought of this, but it is totally a Western. Anyway. Very good. Very good um, well, you've poached uh, two of mine too, Chris. Yeah. So that's, that's good. So. I, feel like, I feel like those two don't count. I really do because those two, those two that I, the, the two that I picked before the Good Dinosaur, they they cross genres. Um, they are very much part of pop culture, um, you know. So I don't, I don't feel like those are like, I don't feel like they are uh, legitimate, legitimate because uh, uh, poachings. You know what I mean? It wasn't like mm. a deep dive where it was like, wow, you know. I think, um, oh, oh, it was, uh, it was, <laughs> it was Karen on the Christmas episode. When I picked that movie um, last holiday with Queen Latifah, and uh, I was like, well, there's no way I get poached here. And then Karen did it. Karen actually poached that. That was a really deep cut. So <laughs> so I'm going to say that, you know, um, I, I don't feel like those are really those are really poachings because I'd still like to hear a little bit about why you because I know it's on both your lists, uh, why you both picked them, because I'm sure it's for different reasons. Well, I mean, so I guess I'll get into my list. So I, I actually, I have like, a, I think nine jokes because I'm not, I'm not as versed in this. So, um, so number nine is um, Django Unchained. Um, okay. Like, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's very violent, but I did mm. enjoy the movie, and it definitely gives a take on uh, we were just talking about, you know, a black person in the West. So, mm-hmm. um, and it gives a different spin and tale and and rewriting of history that that Quentin Tarantino likes to do. Um, then I have a. Uh, Back to the Future 3, which uh, kind of made my list because uh, I don't really know many Westerns, and I know that took place in the West, so, <laughs> so I'm, I'm putting it on the list. So, so Chris, I don't know if that's your reasons, but those are my reasons for yeah, it. I don't know. That's, no, that's, that's okay. fair. Again, it's you know, movies I like, but, if, but gun to my head, you know, you asked me for a Western list. I gave you three, and two of them feel like a reach. Um, and so, and my next one up is is the other pick is Blazing Saddles. Um, similar thing; it takes place in the West. Yep, um, yep. <laughs> it's uh, again not all the humor holds holds up, but a lot of it does. And and I love Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder, um, I, I I I love him. I, I also love it. Didn't even make my list, and I should have pulled it. Was I also love him in the Frisco Kid too? Which uh, oh sure, yeah. With him and Harrison Ford as a two-hander, uh, which is which is like one of the few times I've seen Harrison Ford not be Han Solo. So it's uh, <laughs> it, it is uh, he had like some different character traits in that movie. So um, I guess I'll put that in my list too. Why not? I'm not going to any specific order. So I guess yeah, I'm right, Chris, yeah, there Chris you go. Just, yeah, no, shh, nobody will know. Yeah. yeah. Um, then next up is the Three Amigos. Uh, sure. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, yeah. And then kind of going. Um, Again, mixing up with the comedy is um, Shanghai Noon with Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. I guess, I again, guess. again, it took place in the West, and uh, no, uh, no, I, you're right. And I will. I mean, you you never have to sell me on a movie with Jackie Chan. You just don't. Um, and then we get into like some more. I guess well, not some controversial territory with my picks here. So. I, it doesn't have a movie, but I'm picking it because I, I, you know, not that I was grasping at straws, but I guess it was kind of grasping at straws for my list. Um, uh, the Mandalorian is on there. Okay, sure. I'm with that, I think it's a western. It seems like a western to me. It's yeah. a western in no, space. I mean, no, I mean, I, I agree I with that because I, I have something that I think, unless you poach it, I think is going to is in the same vein. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so it's the Mandalorian. Um, I have the movie City Slickers. Yeah. Okay. I thought about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, mentions. I mean, it's more of a movie honoring westerns that is a western mm-hmm. i guess but uh i think it fits the bill 
And my top two, I guess, are a little. Um, my number two is the Big Lebowski. Uh, aside Interesting. From the, okay. Uh, I feel like it's a western. I feel like it's this guy um, on his own. Plus, you have Sam Elliott as an actual cowboy in it, narrating it. So, uh, uh, okay. yeah. I, don't, I don't know, friend. That might be that. That that might be a bit. Do think he's reaching, Chris? Sorry. Do we think he's reaching with this one? I I think it's I think it's a little. Um, while I do think like the Mandalorian it, it can fit the bill, like I don't think Star Wars fits the bill, even though it uses elements of it. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about Big Lebowski. I okay. I I think we have to. I, I think we gotta well, gotta <laughs> bring the buzzer on that. Well, one. You're getting called out on this one, James. You're the, you're, uh, the, you're the resident expert, Joe. So uh, I will I will defer to whatever uh, yeah. you decide. But he, that has he, me he, sort of hemming and hawing over here. Okay, you want? I'll let him finish now. And then um, my, uh, number one, I mean, I, I kind of picked my number one based upon the, I guess, the archetype of the the drifter, the lone person. Um, is is my number one is Logan? Oh, you know something? This is almost a Batman. Uh, uh, um, help me here, Chris. Pass <laughs> to the Phantasm. Yes, pick. That's a really good pick. No, that's it's, interesting. I still haven't. Seen, a, I still haven't seen Logan, so I will. I will I take love that movie. on that. But yeah. but he's definitely a drifter. Uh, um, James, I, I'll give you a Logan over your big Lebowski. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I feel I feel Logan is one they use. I mean, again, not that it's beautiful stuff we're looking at. the The time period that they put him in, the space they put him in, mm-hmm. is definitely a character. Uh, he has to help a young girl. Yeah, very, it feels very uh, true. Grit. Very true British. No, I, I think people <laughs> even said that when that movie came out that it was it was harkening back to some of the uh, yeah, true, true, true grit. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's the reluctant hero at this point. Mm-hmm. He's retired. He's very Rooster Rooster Cogburny kind of. Um, yeah. So I and I actually was rewatching parts of Logan in preparation for this episode just to kind of see. And I I, I really forgot how good the movie is because I got like sucked into like I was just going to watch a bit of it and I kept like watching more and more because I was like wow I forgot how yeah. how good this movie was and how great Hugh Jackman is playing the old retired uh, hero who wants nothing to do with the hero business and just wants to get through his day. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of, and he kind of has that, you know, again, going back to what little I knew about Westerns. I mean, I knew more cause I kind of made this list after I did what did the homework of watching the two movies. He's aside from taking care of an elderly person, he's trying to, aside from being alone, he wants to just find his little corner of the world and settle down and just live out his life, which yeah. I, I feel like is a theme in Westerns. Like oh, people just yeah. kind of want to settle and then that's that's where they're going to live the rest of their life. So. That's the that's the theme of most of the um, uh, the the uh, gunslinger who wants to uh, you know change his change his uh, uh, style of life, i.e. Shane and and um, Gregory Peck's the gunfighter. Yes, that is that is a common theme. They just want to leave their past behind and settle down. Yeah. Yeah. It mm-hmm. seems like most of the heroes in Westerns, again, from the broad swath that they know about Westerns, is like the, the main heroes that usually done something bad in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he usually has, yes. And he wants to get away from it and be forgotten. So um, that seems to be, that's why I thought Logan would fit the bill. So, um, good picks. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry I had one controversial one in there, but no, um, no, 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 that's, no, that's good. And frankly, I, you, know, you, you, had a, you had a top 10, I had a three. I thought three. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I should say that both Blazing Saddles and Back to the Future 3 were actually my honorable mentions. They weren't really my top 10. So yeah, yeah. I wasn't really poached on the, my top 10. So um, you want me to give mine now? Yes, Joe. It's I, I, don't, I, I will be brief. I really will. I'm, I'm going to go. No, no, I this, is the star, this is the star of the show. This is what people who are listening to this yeah. episode and want to watch Westerns, they want to like hear your list so they can, uh, I, 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 I want to hear it and watch those movies too. So. I've also got a top t- top 10 TV Westerns too. <laughs> actually, to be fair, 
my introduction to the Western, like most people from my age of my era, the um, baby boomers and so on, later a little bit later on, uh, came through came by Westerns via the television because in the fifties, although I was in diapers, but in the sixties. Um, you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting, hitting a, a Western on TV. They were just, they were just everywhere. And, um, it was, they didn't fall out of favor, at least, uh, uh, ratings wise until the early seventies. But so that's where I came, came to, uh, discover these, these, uh, these tales. Okay. So my, my top 10 movies, I'm going to start with Stagecoach, which we talked about before, because it's the starring role that the role that made James, that Jim made James Bond. What the hell am I talking about? That made John Wayne uh, uh, a star and, and really put uh, John Ford on the map as, as one of America's greatest uh, film directors. Uh, shortly after that, my, my, oh, not shortly after that, uh, about 30 years after that, yes, uh, John Wayne starred in the movie Chisholm, which I think I've mentioned before, maybe off, off, off the air, guys. This is the movie about the, uh, the Lincoln County Range War, uh, kind of based on it, not totally... But it's a sprawling western. It's a real shoot 'em up. It's kind of like a, it's almost like Silverado, but with a more uh, uh, you know uh, intense and uh, uh, less comedic tone. So uh, that's number nine. Sheen. I talked about that earlier. The guy who wants to leave his his past behind, but he can't because circumstances won't let him. The town won't let him, and he has to um, eventually uh, do what he does best, uh, which is you know gun down those those. Uh, those varmints. Uh, and then we have True Grit 2010. Uh, uh, we talked about that. Chris talked about that very eloquently. Uh, then number six is My Darling Clementine, which I think I um, mentioned in my opening, not to be fooled by the, uh, by the title. Another John Ford Western starring Henry Fonda about the, OK, the, uh, the fight at the OK Corral, so the uh, Earps against the Clanton gang. Um, beautifully photographed in wonderful black and white. Uh, you know, black and white works for film noir, but also works for Westerns too, I think. Um, after that, we've got The Silverado, which James also uh, spoke about eloquently. Uh, my top four, The Searchers. Uh, this is a movie that basically is the uh, deconstruction of the West by John Ford, who had um, tired of, of, um, of all the Western movies that, uh, that did, uh, uh, if not uh, through, um, uh, you know, open means or... Uh, did not uh, put down the intolerance of the West. Did not uh, speak to the uh, to the way the Native Americans were treated. Uh, so in this movie, uh, Ethan Edwards, John Wayne, is returning from the South, uh, returning from the, the Civil War, I should say, and he's a Southerner. And when he comes home, he finds his family is um, completely uh, gone, except his niece, uh, because the Comanche, and he calls them the Comanche, which is kind of like a you know a, a slur obviously and um he's a uh, he's a bigot he's a he's a racist he's not the hero of this film and the young um jeffrey hunter who plays his adopted nephew as they go on the search to find his his niece is really the hero of the film and at the very end of the film when he brings his niece back he can't go back into the house and and um the way that the movie opens is the um his sister opens the door onto the plains and we see him coming on his horse and the way it ends kind of like the Godfather. This is probably where Coppola got this from. Uh, the, the door closes on him at the end. He can't come back into the house, even though he brought the girl back to her family because he's not, he's not, um, he's not part of the family. He's, he's just a, a, a horrid, terrible man. And it's a, a, a interesting, different role for John Wayne to play. 
and um, John Ford uh, considers this his greatest uh, film. So I highly recommend. This is one of those films no, that's, I recommend. That's, I've written it down. So thank you for that. Yes, that because that is that's an intriguing. That's intriguing intrigued, So thank you, Joe, for sharing that. It's, it's the deconstruction of the Western in 1956, not 1966, 76, 86, but in 1956, right there in the middle of you know, McCarthy era and, and all that was going on there. Number three is The Unforgiven, which Chris again spoke to eloquently about. So I'm not going to go into that. And my top two, A High Plains Drifter, which I did allude to previous. Um, in this movie, Clint Eastwood is, a, is basically a force of nature that sweeps into town, the town of Lago, and by the time he leaves, it's rest completely to the ground. And do these people deserve it? Yes. But um, uh, it's, uh, if you, when you watch this film, um, it's not for children, obviously, but it's, it's, so, it's so incredible in its, its uh, starkness. And it's, um, it does, I wouldn't say it glorifies violence, but it, it, uh, it glorifies the... Um, the violent of the West, uh, let's put it that way, the time period that it's set in. And uh, he's amazing in this film. And, you know, he's a very taciturn actor as it is in these movies. And he has even less to say in this film than, than some of his other films. And number one is True Grit, 1969 with John Wayne. I, I love this film. I love the way it looks. It's a beautiful film to watch cinematically. It's just a gorgeous film. And, um, uh, you know, it's John Wayne again breaking the mold of uh, uh, the mold of who you think John Wayne is, as he did with Ethan Allen, Ethan Edwards, Ethan Allen, <laughs> furniture, uh, Ethan Edwards in in the Searchers, and then again as Rooster Cogburn in Sure Grit. He's he's a completely different character here, and uh, he's uh, I, I think he's fascinating to watch. So those are my top ten, and if I would recommend two off that list, I would re I would recommend the Searchers, and I would recommend Shane. I think uh, if you haven't seen Shane, you need to see this film. It's not what you think about a gunslinger. And it's, um, it's a very interesting uh, piece about uh, tolerance and, uh, and trying to hold back your, your inner demons and how it's almost impossible sometimes to do that because of the circumstances and the, and the times in which you live. Uh, quickly, my top 10. Oh, honorable mentions. This, I'm only going to mention a few. Oh, uh, Joe, I was going to say, maybe, because um, I think I think maybe we want to do another episode. Maybe we should okay. save the honorable, men sure. honorable mentions and the um, and the TV, because I think I think it'd be all separate episode. I don't want okay. you to rush through it. Yeah, cool. actually, what I'm really interested in, Joe. Well, you did have some one, questions for me, right, James? Yes, I have some questions. Yeah, okay. I, I do want to get to the questions, but right. I think the next time we talk about this, Joe, I really would like to hear about, um, I want to hear your top 10 about t television, but I'm also curious to see how the, how the genre um how it translates into television because you had mentioned how 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 the you know the environment is a character right the setting mm -hmm. is a character in the story and so what's the difference when you're talking about tv you know you're talking about a change in budget and change in terms of logistical requirements and obviously you know as we as we move along um television has gotten more and more expensive to produce and the quality's gotten higher but i'll be curious when not right now again but i but because i think it's gonna be a broader conversation i'm gonna have more questions for you but when we really dig into it i'm gonna be curious to see okay. how the genre translates into television and um you know what do you feel like was added what do you think was taken away um and and sort of comparing and contrasting so so i do i think that's going to be a whole other conversation because i got all sorts of questions, but I know James has some for now. So, but thank you, Joe, for sharing your, your, oh, you're quite welcome. Yeah. Sure. And I think also maybe for the next part of the Western, you could probably, well, one, maybe Chris and I can watch uh, Shane and the searchers and we could talk about 
our thoughts yeah, on that. Yeah, I think you might want to, yeah, I think you And then you could also episode. give us um, at least uh, at least an, uh, an episode of one of the, uh, or two of TV shows that we can prep for that episode as well. Yeah, um, and we could, we could uh, hit my list of, uh, of uh, trivia and uh, flashbacks, Western flashbacks that I have. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. So, uh, so uh, rancher Jack Adrian, friend of the town, <laughs> wrote, wrote in and said, what would you say, and maybe you've listed this already, but what would you say is the best Western movie that encapsulates perfectly what a Western is? <sighs> I'm going to go with my top pick. I'm going to go with True Grit, 1969. True Grit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Go with John Wayne's True Grit. Yes. Right, Directed so by uh, Hathaway, William Hathaway. All right, Jack. So True Grit, if you haven't seen it, you should see it. Or uh, maybe we can have you on uh, or give some notes for the future Western episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, also friend of the town, uh, prospector Josh Bernhard. <laughs> uh, Is that gold or silver he's pro- prospecting for? I think, he, I, th- I think I'm not sure. Maybe both. Maybe both. Silver and gold. <laughs> silver, it's the, uh, you know, it's the, uh, Com- the Comstock load of 1845. Uh, which gave rise to the town of Virginia City and the TV show Bonanza. <laughs> so uh, Josh asks, uh, what is your favorite spaghetti Western that aren't the Man With No Name trilogy? The fi- what is which oh. one would you favorite that is not a fistful of dollars, a few dollars more, and the good and the bad and the ugly? High Plains Drifter. High Plains Drifter. Okay. Yeah, yeah. For, uh, for, the, for the sheer evil and... and uh, uh, you know, uh, putting your hands over your face at times, violence. But it's 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 just. I mean, Clint Eastwood. I don't know. He must, he must have been angry when he wrote the script. But he he directs it so well. It's just it's just an amazing tour de force of. Um, as I said, he's a force. He's a force of nature, and uh, you don't have to like this guy, but you you can't turn away at the same time. It's just like. It's like watching, you know, a horrible accident, a train wreck or something like that. <laughs> it's, it's not a train wreck of a movie, though. It's an amazing film. So those are, yeah. All right, that, perfect. You know, answer to that. Okay. Well, see, so you um, had the answers. You had the answers, Sheriff. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I guess I reckon I did. Uh, before we break, can I mention one other one other uh, Western hero? Oh, sure. That you can't, I mean, if you, you can't talk about the West without talking about um, the Lone Ranger. Um when I was a boy, again, back in those minutes, you know, back when we didn't have uh, streaming services and uh, DVDs or even video replay, um, almost every day when you came home from school and you snapped on the TV, TV, usually Channel 11, by the way, you would get, you'd catch an episode of The Adventures of Superman or The Lone Ranger. And these are my two heroes growing up. Um, the Lone Ranger was the brainchild of Fran Stryker and, and George, Wendell, George W. Trendle. And he made his first appearance on radio in 1933 and soon after became a multimedia star, resonating with kids, of course, and adults who couldn't get enough of his, you know, his adventures. But, you know, The Lone Ranger was a, a pulp magazine star, comic books, movie serials, early and iconic TV series that, that ran from 49 to, I believe, 57, feature films in the 50s, some later feature films. So, um, you know, when, you think, when I think about Westerns, and obviously it was a quote-unquote kiddie Western. But if you look at IMDb and you look at the, um, the ratings that they give most of the Ranger, Lone Ranger episodes, they're usually eight and above. And when you want to talk about a show, a good show for a child to watch in any time period, I think it's the Lone Ranger because it teaches about, it, it teaches about tolerance, uh, courage, 
the courage of your convictions, respect, loyalty, bravery, and just treating people the way you want to be treated, which is kind of what, you know, the, the message was of the adventures of Superman too. I know we talked about this way earlier on. So um, anybody out there who's looking for a, a, a TV show for their children, if you can find it, I would hide, and it's a Western, I would highly recommend uh, The Adventures of the Master Rider of the Plains and oh. The Lone Ranger. So that's how that's I a, close that. That's, that's a perfect transition, Joe, to wrap up the show. Like we usually <laughs> give out recommendations. Um, mm -hmm. So um, do, was there any other recommendations you want to give this week other than The Lone Ranger? Unfortunately, I left them in the living room, so I can't get to them now. But um, there is a, um, a Dynamite, uh, uh, Dynamite Publishing Lone Ranger uh, Green Hornet team up that took place in the thirties because, and we can get into this later on in the next episode. The Lone Ranger is the great grand uncle of Brett Reed. John Reed, the Lone Ranger is the great, is the great, uh, uncle of, uh, Brett Reed, AKA the Green Hornet. It's a very good, um, uh, graphic novel. I'm sure it's on our, our friendly, uh, service, James Hoopla. So I would recommend that. Yes, Hoopla, Hoopla. Yes, I would recommend that as a, uh, an interesting, uh, team up. Of, of two uh, two different eras. So, All right, very cool. All right. Excellent. Um, Chris, you have any recommendations for this week? Uh, nothing that I'm reading right now, but I will say that without any fanfare at all, which is insane to me, um, Netflix is just now, today or tomorrow, dropping the second season of Raising Dion. And, ah. um, and Raising Dion was the first season. I just really enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, it's about this single mother. She's trying to... Uh, protect her. Her her son has superpowers. Yeah, and she's trying to protect this. him from exploitation, but also um, her husband had had mysteriously died, and so she's sort of like looking into that as well. And um, man, I just the first season, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll I'll give it a shot. What the hell? But I really really enjoyed it. And um, and then I just turned on Netflix like I think last night um, because my son he he really likes this the this documentary series uh, um, Night on Earth. <clears throat> and he especially likes the ocean episode. And uh, so I went to go turn on Netflix and I, I, I kind of screeched cause I was like, I, what, you know, I had no idea <laughs> that, um, cause I'd been waiting and waiting and waiting. And then I just sort of forgot all about the show, honestly. Uh, so a very, very pleasant surprise. So, um, so if you're looking for something to watch, I think raising Dion on Netflix is, is really enjoyable. And the second season is, is, has either just dropped or is about to drop. Cool. Very good. Chris. Check it out. Um, what am I reading? Well, I don't know if I, I don't, I, I enjoy it fine. It's not like something people have to go read, but on Hoopla, I'm reading Justice League Endless Winter. Um, okay, read that. And I will say, much like childhood, I, I read it because McFarlane Toys was making toys for this, for this <laughs> comic book series. And I was like, well, if McFarlane's making toys about it, it must be good. Um, and it's okay. I mean, I find it interesting, but I, I wouldn't say it's something that you have to get out and read, but I, I think it's an interesting story. Um, it it talk, deals with Viking gods and the Justice mm -hmm. League and Justice League Dark is a part of it. Uh, so um, I think it's an interesting story. Um, good, good save, James. We almost got through the episode without mentioning Hoopla. Well done. Yes, I know, yeah. Um, that, was, whew, that was close. I know. Um, something, that's, something that's not on Hoopla that I'm reading, but I picked up on Kindle when it was on sale, is I'm reading Volume 2 of Spider-Man by JMS, The Giant Omnibus. Ah, um, oh, sure. I'm, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm loving it. I'm following up our mob episode. Uh, I just finished reading the story where he's he's tackling the mob, the the reanimated mobster that was uh, gamma-radiated. Yeah, yeah, that one was okay, an yeah. interesting story. I, I, I enjoyed that, yeah. 
Yeah, I find it. I mean, again, it's all the human elements that JMS infuses into Spider-Man, and some of the moral quandaries. He, like in, in the gangster story, like he the this monster is after the the boss that gave the order to kill them back in the seventies, and he wants Spider-Man to protect him. And Spider-Man's you know he's going to give Spider-Man ten thousand dollars, and Spider-Man's like, well, I guess I could keep the money, like you know. So it's just it's very it's very funny, and then also at the same time, Spider-Man's patching up his marriage with MJ. So uh, again, I love I love his run and the omnibus is um uh, is great so i love catching up on the stories um and then um i guess the last thing i'll recommend and i'm not going to give any spoilers but it kind of ties in is uh the book of bubba fett um probably by the time this episode airs it will have wrapped up or is wrapping up so um definitely the there's definitely western vibes in the book of bubba fett as much as there's in the mandalorian so um if you have not caught that show which probably if you're our audience you have already but uh, if you haven't caught Book of Bubba Fett, it is worth watching. Um, so with that, uh, I would like to thank uh, everyone um, for listening to the show. Uh, I'd like to especially thank uh, our uh, outlaw, Chris, for being here. <laughs> oh, it was my pleasure. How'd you get to be the outlaw, Chris? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I, think that was, uh, I think that was the designation James was going to give me, but I would only accept it if he added yellow belly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yellow belly. <laughs> You honey. <laughs> and uh, of course, our uh, leader for this show, uh, Sheriff Joe. Do my pleasure, folks. <laughs> and um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, if you want to uh, join in the conversation, um, leave our leave comments about this episode. You can find us on Facebook and uh, the Facebook group. Uh, we also have the Gmail, uh, Secret Origins MC. Uh, Instagram account is also Secret Origins MC. And um, if you if you have time to like, um, rate, and leave a review for our show, wherever you listen to this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, it, it really does help, I think, getting us um, noticed in the rankings, or at least more noticeable to people if they're searching for podcasts in this um, in this genre. So uh, we would greatly appreciate it. And um, we thank you for listening. And I will we will talk to you soon.